What's new at Cold Wax Academy? Rebecca and Jerry are wrapping up their winter quarter of online sessions at Cold Wax Academy, where, as always, members have access to in-depth and varied content for learning, growth, and support. Their winter quarter included presentations by guest authors Eric Mazel and Sean McNiff, a painting clinic for works in progress, and live sessions on procrastination, tips on photographing your artwork, and source ideas for your paintings. All of these sessions and many more are available as video recordings in the member library. As a member, you can also access the private Facebook page and the community there of informed and supportive artists who post paintings, ask questions, and initiate discussions. It's never too late to join Cold Wax Academy. Stay tuned for a list of topics to be covered in the upcoming spring quarter, and please visit coldwaxacademy.com for more information as well as basic information about using Cold Wax Medium. Once again, that's coldwaxacademy.com. That's all for now. On with the show. Hello and welcome to The Messy Studio with Rebecca Kroll, the podcast at the intersection of art, travel, entrepreneurship, philosophy, and life in general. I am Ross Tickner, Rebecca's audio producer, podcast guru, and her son. On today's episode, we are talking about art and business life. For many artists that want to market and sell their work, finding a balance between studio practice and business life is challenging. There are pitfalls in spending too much time on the business side of your practice and drawbacks to not paying enough attention to this. Finding a good balance between your art and your art business is not simply a time management issue, but also one of your focus and emotional investment. Today we'll talk about some considerations and pitfalls in navigating this territory. With me as always is Rebecca Kroll. Hello everyone. Well, I know that we have talked about this in the past, but it's always a relevant topic. And one of the reasons for that is that your views on it can change over time, um, depending on where you are now with your work, with your finances, um, and, and those things tend to not stay the same over time. So um, one of the one of the big things about the, finding this balance is to be flexible because at certain times, uh, you probably need to focus more on the studio and other times, um, you know, taking care of business. So um, sometimes both are very demanding. Um, I can think of a situation when you have an exhibit coming up at a gallery or something, and and then it's like you have to be doing both things. You have to be making the work, and you have to be taking care of all the business. And then it does really become a challenge. Um Fortunately, that's not the typical situation, or unfortunately. I mean, we always want to have a show, but it is it is a big deal. Um, we've done podcasts about that as well, and the best advice really is to try to you know find a time uh, for the show or around the show where you really can focus on all the different things that are involved in that. And that's you know it's a special situation. Um, most of the time. Things are pretty much on an even keel. And dealing with this balance, um, you know, you uh, mentioned in the um, intro that it, it's not just time management. It's also your focus, what you want to be doing, where you want to be spending your energy and your emotion. Um, and how important is art business to you? And that is not the same for everybody. 
not everybody is about marketing their work and selling and showing their work. And so I guess the first thing to do is figure out, you know, what are your goals in that direction? Do you have them? What do you really want to do? That motivation can become confusing because you may feel outside pressure um, for income, for um, maybe uh, making enough income to pay for your art supplies. These are practical things. These are good things to consider. But motivation to get involved in the art business, if you don't have an inner drive to that, it's going to be that much harder um, to to carry it off because it, it, there are a lot of things about it that require you to really push yourself. Um and especially, you know, if you work at another job, you've got the outside job, you've got that to deal with as well. If you're comfortably retired, if you're, you know, don't really need the income, then you can decide whether or not you want to get involved in the world of, of commercial galleries, of online galleries, the whole aspect of selling your work. Um Maybe you don't really want to subject yourself to that. It's very involving. Um, and I don't think it devalues your work uh, or yourself as an artist if you don't choose to do that. There are, I think it's important to show your work, share your work, get that feedback. That's part of the communication of the work. But I don't think it necessarily means selling it. So I just wanted to say that at the beginning, um, even if you decide that that's not your thing to sell your work and to get involved in the gallery world, there probably still are aspects of art business though. It's hard to avoid them completely. Um, and if you want to show your work, you have the option of, you know, non-commercial spaces um, and things like that where, you know, community art centers where the focus is not so much on selling. It is really just about putting up a show but there's still a lot. There's still a lot to do to, to pull that off. And there are other things that, you know, just about every artist has to do some kind of inventory tracking and expense tracking. and Or maybe, you know, you're doing something like teaching workshops or giving talks about art or anything like that. You, you have this aspect of your art career or your, of your art life that is not just making art. <laughs> so... Um, well, Ray, in this time of year, as we roll into tax season, uh, it, it really becomes a reality. You kind of got to figure out uh, what is happening with my my art business uh, just out mm -hmm. of necessity of, of filing your taxes on time. Right. And, uh, <laughs> and that can be that can be a bit of a uh, a wake up call. You know, if you're mm -hmm. if you're looking at your your taxes and you're you're thinking, gosh, I mean, I, I really I really increase uh, the amount of work that goes into my taxes. If I pay somebody else to do that work, then it's it's very expensive. Um, and uh, and and at some point, you may be looking at how much money you're you're making off of art sales and thinking, is this really worth it? Is mm -hmm. is this worth the amount of work that I I put into uh, both just the running the business throughout the year, and then I get to the end of the year, and and there's this this extra hurdle. Um, mm -hmm. So that's and it's and that's something to to consider, and that's going to be an individual decision based on everyone's situation. Yeah, it's kind of a hard reality when you look at those numbers at the end of the year, and it it also shows you whether you know you have 
enough of an art business to take those write-offs and things. Um, and whether you, you know, if you were to get audited, could you say it was a business? And I, I unfortunately know of an artist who was in this situation of having to prove to the IRS that she was a serious artist, and she just didn't have enough sales to convince them that it was um, it was a legitimate write-off. So, yeah, tax time is a uh, yeah kind of a hard reality in a lot of ways, and um, and and a whole lot of work if you if you do have sales and you are tracking all your expenses. And I'm kind of in the middle of that right now myself, <laughs> sorting through things. And um, unfortunately, I've developed a few years back, um, probably more like ten now. I started really becoming better at tracking expenses and using a spreadsheet and really putting down everything as soon as it happened. And it made a big difference to not, at the end of the year, have to go through everything. And there's still a lot of that. I mean, I miss things and I want to make sure I've gotten everything. But typically when I make an art purchase, I mean, for materials or, you know, I take a trip, I try to get right to the computer and, and put all that in there. And it it definitely makes it a little bit easier at this time of year. So systems are something I want to talk about today, just finding ways to make all of this easier. And I think getting back to, um, you know, we started out talking about, well, maybe maybe the uh, your art practice isn't something that is so much of a business, and that is perfectly okay. Um, there'll probably be a lot of listeners that say, yeah, that's me. Um, I'm doing it because I like it. If I sell something once in a while, that's great. And that is um that's really fine. But um, if you do want to do more art business in terms of sales, there are a lot of things to think about and to to make that leap. Or if you're already involved in that, there may be some things that you could be doing better. But the first one really is, are you ready to, to take that step to market your work? Because if you're not, um, there's probably going to be a lot of time wasted and frustration in trying to get your work out there. It, if, it, if you are not ready and the work isn't ready, and how do you know? Well, obviously, you have a body of work, you have consistent work, um, and you've produced enough quantity to arrive at quality. <laughs> um, they are tied together. And so obviously you need the quality to to market it and sell it and, and show it to galleries or get it online and, and have people buy it. Uh, but you do have to produce the quantity to get there. It can take a while, a lot of practice to to get your work to that level. And the other thing really is to have um, something to say with your work in visual terms, uh, to have a unique or distinctive, at least, individual voice in your work, something that people respond to. It's not generic. It's not something everybody's seen before. It's going to be an advantage to you if you have developed a personal, a personal way of working, a personal style, a voice that is strong. And that, again, takes, takes quite a while and I guess the last thing I want to say about being ready for it is to feel confident about your own work and believe in it. And if you don't have that inner confidence, the whole thing is just so much harder <laughs> because you have to know yourself that you think 
the work is worthy of being out there in the market. And if you don't have that, it's it's hard to put yourself in the position of convincing anyone else of that. And that's a kind of, um, you know, it's a vague thing. It's a bit amorphous, but if you don't feel that confidence, it's probably time to spend more time developing your work until you can really look at it and say, you know, this is this is where, th- this is it, you know, and, and I think this is a good starting point for getting it out there. And, y- and you may need feedback on that and other people to help you see what you're, what you're doing. Um, yeah, I was going to say a lot of times we, we often just don't, we're, we're our harshest critic. You know? We are, and we are. It can, it can go both ways. Sometimes people think that they're ready to exhibit and they're really not. Like they really, <laughs> they really need to put in more time. And yeah. then there's people that where their work is gorgeous, you know, and they just, they just don't, they're just missing the, the self-confidence in it. Yeah, I, that's a good point. And, and yes, that is when if you have somebody whose opinion you trust, and especially another artist who is out there selling their work, showing their work, to give you some honest feedback. And I, yeah, I've experienced that a lot as an instructor when I, I might see some work uh, from a from a student that I'm working with that I think wow this is this is really interesting there's really something going on here and that person will be pretty dismissive of it and oh you know I, whatever <laughs> and I just want to say no no look you've got something going on and I do say that um, sometimes we don't see it and that's that's a good point to get to get objective input on that is important. Um, another th- well, and the key there is is honest and objective because if if you if you you don't want to ask people that are just going to mm. tell you oh it looks beautiful good for you, <laughs> you know? yeah but somebody that you knows- want you want to get honest feedback honest criticism and so that you know yes. where you need to put more effort in somebody um, that knows the time, what they're talking about <laughs> yeah and 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 yeah. then if somebody who you really who you trust to give you honest feedback honest and objective mm-hmm. feedback says oh it's great good for you then you need to take that seriously you need to say okay it really is good mm-hmm. yeah and why and ask yourself why and you know really contemplate or question the person what they see in it and yeah that you know overall objectivity is is hard to come by in the art world <laughs> for your own work and um yeah, if you have people in your life that are trustworthy critics and responders, that's that's a really good thing. Um, and if you don't, you know, you're going to have to do your best. Uh, sometimes people expect galleries to give them that feedback when they approach them. Uh, gallery people are usually too busy for that. I mean, they're going to either be interested or not. And you can't really expect much feedback or critique. Uh, once in a while, they may say, well, you know, this would be great if it were larger or something like that, you know, and then you have something to grasp onto. But uh, you can't really expect the gallery to give you that kind of feedback. So, um, yeah, trying to trying to get an objective view is, is a project. And and I you could you could plug cold wax academy here i mean you 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 have the uh the feedback sessions Mm -hmm. right thank you i think you just did plug it yes (laughs) yeah we do i mean the members of cold wax academy do get honest feedback they get it from me and jerry and they get it from each other and that is a it's a it's a rare and wonderful thing to have that 
happening. Um, and also to uh, one of the things that we work with people on is to have the language to do that, to be able to talk about art um, beyond, oh, I like that or I like your color or something like that, but really to dig a little deeper and, and be able to help each other. And, and we try to help the people that are working with us. So, And um, if you're not into working with cold wax and, and oil and you're in a completely different style of working, uh, I, I'm sure that any virtually any educational setting, any workshop you take mm-hmm, or, yeah. or any, um, any, any kind of uh, class that you take is, is going to have an instructor and going to have other students who are willing to, to speak honestly with you. Yeah, I think that's true. Um, yes. And, and workshops are great for that. Um, college classes, critique groups, um, sometimes form in communities and Hopefully they are honest and open groups. Uh, not always. Sometimes those groups are just only say nice things. <laughs> and, and critique doesn't have to be anything harsh. It's just observation. So, Let's take a quick minute to talk about uh, what deals are available from Blick. Utrecht Artist Imperfect Oil Paint Tubes and Cans are 52 to 70% off list price. Available right now at Blick. Blick is clearing out imperfect tubes of Utrecht Artist oil paints. This is your chance to stock up on these professional quality oil paints at incredible sale prices. Limited quantities available while supplies last. All sales are final. Prized by professionals for their brilliant color, rich texture, outstanding light fastness, and excellent long-term performance, Utrecht has been handcrafting these fine artist oil colors in Brooklyn, New York for over 50 years. High pigment concentrations guarantee superior tinting strength and remarkable vibrancy straight from the tube. To take advantage of that offer, please remember to use our affiliate link, which is, of course, MessyStudioPodcast.com slash Blick, B-L-I-C-K. That takes you straight through to the regular Blick website. But when you use our affiliate link, Blick will donate a very generous 10% to the Messy Studio Podcast, which really helps out to, uh, to pay bills around here. Uh, so once again, uh, that's Utrecht Artists Imperfect Oil Paint Tubes and Cans. Those are tubes and cans that are going to have a dent in them, basically. Um, and you're going to save 52 to 70% off list price on those at MessyStudioPodcast.com slash Blick. All right, let's get back into it. Okay, yeah, one thing I wanted to mention uh, when you're figuring out about are you ready to enter the art marketing world is um, the ease of marketing in your location, your geography. Um, and this this is actually a pretty big deal when you're starting out because the easiest, best place to start if you're in any kind of art market, any city with, with any size that has galleries in it, um, you can approach in person, you have your work available. Uh, if the gallery person is interested, they can visit your studio and you don't have all the shipping issues and things. So um, that's always a really good place to start. But, you know, understand that if you if you really want to make this work, you're probably also going to go beyond your immediate location, unless it happens to be New York City or maybe Santa Fe or LA. Um, but you, you're probably going to need to expand. And so understand what's involved. There's travel, there's shipping, 
and the just the logistics of connecting with galleries outside your own location. It's um you know it's, it's too much to go into in this session, this podcast, but um, geography is important. And um, the other thing is understanding what connections, what contacts do you have right now? Um, where what can you follow up on? Um, who could help you get started? And that's that's a good thing to think about. And just you know, since we're talking about juggling this with your studio work, really thinking: Do I have the time? How much time? Um, and that's kind of what we want to get into in this next part of the of the podcast. Um, I really feel like it, the top priority always is has to be on creating your work. If you don't keep your work going, develop your work, make it ever better, it's you know there's nothing there to to offer to people. And so you know you have to have that work that is interesting and exciting and moving and and people you know want it. They're involved with it in a positive way. But it's not just other people, it's you. I mean, you have to feel excited about your work and involved with your work enough to spend the time that it takes to to do this. So that is, to me, number one, you know, spending the time in the studio to get to that point, to follow your ideas, to get into the flow and all that. And, And it can be hard when you're trying to juggle things. One of the things that people differ a lot is, in is how easy is it to go back and forth with that um, kind of switch roles. And that's kind of a personality issue, I'd say. Um, Some people can walk away from the studio, sit down at the computer and get involved in whatever they need to do. Other people might need a day for the studio and a day for um, their business stuff. And that's um, that's just a strategy that's that's an individual thing uh, that works for you. Um, but getting a sense of how much time you need for those things. Are you somebody that is able to jump right into your work when you go into the studio? Or do you need time to warm up, time to cool down? <laughs> you know, it, Everybody is so different in these ways. And I think one of the problems with any kind of advice about this sort of juggling of art and business is that we are all individuals and you can feel like you're not doing it quite right if somebody's telling you to do it a certain way. Um, And my approach with a lot of things is pay attention to how you feel, pay attention to what your own needs are, and then make it work for you. That's just really basic. Um, But that thing about flow in the studio, I think is important. And if if your day is too chopped up, you may not get into that zone where you need to be to really produce good work. And there's this emotional involvement, you know, with your work that is important to maintain. And it's kind of interesting because I think business stuff that you do as an artist, it requires some detachment. I mean, to, to get overly emotionally involved in the business stuff is not so good. It it can really drag you down. You can feel rejected too much. And um, I don't know, it just, you can get pretty wound up emotionally if you don't have a little bit of detachment and treat it as a business. Um, 
but of course, your work requires the opposite. Your, your artwork requires that involvement that is so personal. So, um, you know, there's that push and pull, and it can be it can be stressful. So, figuring out how to regulate yourself in that way is is important, and realizing that those are two different emotional states that you're in, and and are you a person who can flip back and forth very well? Um, and another, you know, important thing is, are you dealing with a lot of distractions during the day? One of the common ones, obviously, is being distracted by social media. Um, and we've talked about that on the podcast, about limiting your social media engagement to basically one platform or two platforms and treating it as business when you're involved in it. So that is business time if you're using it to, in some way, promote your work. Um, well, and, and technology on the flip side has has made a lot of these things a lot a lot easier and less expensive and more accessible. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of tools, business tools yeah. uh, for artists. I mean, there I things like uh, you know QuickBooks or something is are kind of obvious, but I think QuickBooks is like twenty five bucks a month or something, and it may not be appropriate for everyone. Um, I, I we use QuickBooks for our flower delivery business. Um, but like for for this business, um, you know, for Tick Digital Media, uh, it it makes more sense for me because I don't have like a ton of transactions mm-hmm. um, to to just do everything on a Google Sheet, just do a profit and loss on a Google Sheet. I know you were you were saying you use spreadsheets, right? Right. Yeah, just an Excel spreadsheet. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I I think. Yeah, finding the systems that work, finding the technology that works, um, um, whether it's spreadsheets, there's artwork archive a lot of artists use for their inventory. Um, and something I'm, I've started to do myself is, you know, I make to-do lists that are more immediate things, but one, one checklist that pretty much stays the same, a monthly checklist that I, I'm going to... I, I've been doing it for just one month now, but it seems like a good idea <laughs> to put something on the computer that's sort of a monthly checklist that includes um, things like, well, have I tracked my expenses? Um, have I put my mileage in? Um, does my website need something? Do I need to do a newsletter? Um, have I kept up with my gallery correspondence? So it's just a list of maybe six things. And then uh, once a month, looking at that, and then from there saying, okay, I've been neglecting this thing because I think it's so easy to let things slide and um, forget that this is important, whatever thing on that list. <laughs> and and just I try to keep it to just a few things that really are important. Um, then hopefully something isn't going to completely disappear from view. <laughs> yeah. And and then in a in a more immediate sense kind of planning the week ahead um and 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 the weeks can vary a lot as we said at the beginning maybe this week you really need to be in the studio a lot maybe next week it's something uh you have to do more art business and finding a a rhythm that includes both um and there's also this studio work that isn't just painting or whatever you do that is uh well cleaning up if you clean your studio (laughs) um uh, but but there's all the other things like if you paint on wooden panels, you have to gesso the panels, or 
um, you know, if you're a clay artist, you have to prepare the clay, and all those things also take a lot of time. So that has to figure that has to figure in too. Um, and yeah, it's it's easy to get fragmented and broken up. And one of the things I've done for years is I'm not. I'm not always really good at this, but I try to, if I have an appointment or something, I try to keep that to a certain time of the day and group things so that if I need to go to town to to do shopping or something, I try to group as many errands and other things, appointments into one trip and then be done with it. Um, and when, you know, most of the time when you make an appointment, you have some flexibility. So keeping in mind whenever it's time to schedule something, uh, maybe after three o'clock is my time, or before, you know, noon is when I want to get these things done, and then try to keep to that. And it's hard. I I'm not perfect at it, but I I try to keep that in mind when I set things up. Yeah, um, I usually try to put all my my appointments and meetings on on just a couple days of the week. So usually it's like Monday and Tuesday are my days yeah. to do like meetings and appointments and things. Yeah. Uh, so there's it, by blocking time off. That's yeah, like, this it's... is for that every week. I'm sure that you can always find something else to do in that time. If you don't have appointments and meetings and things like that scheduled, but it, having a spot where you can always kind of like put that stuff, you know, I yeah, think and it's, useful. again, it's kind of a mental structure, a system that yeah. you figure out and you try to stick with it. Systems are only as perfect as you can make them, obviously. But right. um, just... one of the things that I do to to track expenses because I have this this smartphone that I carry around with me everywhere. Every time I spend money that's for a business expense, um, I take a photo of the receipt. Mm. And I do this for checks, too, because I, I found that my bank doesn't necessarily provide me with photos of a check. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes if there's checks going in and out of the account, it's it's just the amount. I can't see where it's from or what it's for or whatever. So I take a photo of any business expenses or any checks that are getting deposited or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And I I email it to my business email and I'll put like receipt in the subject line oh. or check in the subject line. And then when I go to do my taxes, I just search for that, that word and I'll, I'll have all Whoa. of them come up. That is admirably organized. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's really easy, you know, cause I already have yeah. my email up on my phone, you know, so it's just, you snap a quick photo and you email it to yourself and throw something in the subject line. It takes, wow. it takes 10 seconds. And, okay. it, and it, come tax season, you're not like digging through files of trying to find this receipt. Like, oh, what did I spend this Nightmare. money on? Nightmare. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, maybe I'll try something like that. <laughs> I mean, I still have piles of receipts. I just try to write everything down. But, you know, it's, uh, yeah, it's hard I to stay on in- top it- of it. Yeah, and I find that it it doesn't always make it into the spreadsheet right away. <laughs> like right. <laughs> usually it doesn't make it into into the spreadsheet until about uh you know February or March to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah, and you know, it that works for you. I guess what I'm doing works pretty well for me and the the important thing is yeah, you you need something. If you're involved in a lot of art business or any business, you it can get so away from you and and I think for years I was very inefficient at this, so it's kind of getting a little bit better now. And <laughs> I keep I keep trying to get a little better at it. 
but you know, one thing I wanted to mention before we run out of time here is there's so much of this business stuff and and there's so much advice about art business. I mean, there are countless websites, books, you know, coaches, advisors, all this stuff. And it can be very overwhelming. And there is a point um, that you can become too concerned with it. And and the way that may show is if you're very focused on this marketing aspect of your work, it can tamp down your uh, awareness of your of your um, art flow, of your self as an artist, of your creativity, and your motivations, really. So uh, you get told things. You get told by galleries, oh, this one sold, so we want another one like that. And you, you know, you get input from people that say, oh, I like it when you use red, you know. And there's all kinds of things floating around out there that can, you know, overly influence you as an artist. And and so that is, staying strong to that is yet another challenge of this whole thing, because I feel like that inner motivation that leads you to do what you do best is um, that's what's important. And what, you know, thinking like what's really exciting for me to be working on as opposed to, oh, you know, I just sold one like this, so maybe I'd need to do another one. <laughs> that really can take the joy out of it. And it's um, something to guard against. It's okay to be aware, listen to your galleries and notice things, but it's that balance of trying not to let that dictate too much um, and and affect your you know your inner self, your drive where the paintings come from or your work comes from. Um, so that's kind of on the more philosophical end, but uh, it's so important and that is the balance that you're looking for is pay attention. Um, to your business, but don't let it overrun you. And you have a lot, artists all have a lot going on <laughs> when you can delegate things, when you can find ways that make things easier. Um, that's great. Um, but it is it is hard. And I, and I would say spending time nurturing your art self also, just the part of you that that relaxes and enjoys and finds pleasure um, and and things like you know getting enough exercise, getting having a social life, all that stuff. It's advice we're very familiar with. We have to nurture ourselves. But you know, I'm speaking from my own experience. This is this is a challenge for me. I have to consciously set time aside and consciously develop routines around, especially exercise, getting outside, and routines around relaxing, which seems a little odd, but. You know, I have to say, oh, it's okay if I spend the evening watching Netflix or something. That is really okay. Uh, and it's, you know, letting go of that, that driving all the time to do more is, it's a killer. Stress is not good. So um, this little lecture today is as much for myself as for anyone listening. <laughs> Keep trying to find that balance. All right. Well, uh, do you have any final thoughts to wrap up this episode? Um, well, as time goes by, you know, and I, I mentioned that I, I'm still struggling with this stuff. And, and if you're involved in selling your work and art business, um, 
it actually becomes a bigger part of your life as time goes by because your work is selling. It's becoming more desirable and you are selling more. And so there's just a lot more business to take care of. And I do think that experience in dealing with all of this stuff does help because some of it definitely gets easier over time because you have your systems and you figure things out. But it, you know, I've been doing this for over 30 years and I still find it challenging. And I, I know that sometimes you have to back off, you have to not strive quite so hard and just make your art. All right, well, that just about wraps up this episode of The Messy Studio. For more from The Messy Studio, please go to MessyStudioPodcast.com and sign up for the email list. You can also find The Messy Studio on Facebook, as well as Rebecca's public profile page. For more from Rebecca Kroll, check out RebeccaKroll.com and Cold Wax Academy at ColdWaxAcademy.com. Be sure to sign up for the email list to stay up to date on events, book signings, and openings. For more from myself, Ross Tickner, check out RossTickner.com. The Messy Studio is a Tick Digital Media production. Thanks for listening. We'll be back again next week with more art and entertainment. Until then, embrace your creative space, messy or otherwise. Thanks, everybody.